0: Um, You know, last week, I shared from the book of Matthew about how Jesus intends for me and you to do what seems impossible. To reach the whole world with the good news of a Savior. Putting what God has given us into the capable hands of Jesus can make the impossible possible. Possible even if it's reaching the entire world for the cause of Jesus Christ. But after people come to Jesus on His terms, after they acknowledge their sinfulness, after they accept Him as Savior from their sin, after they affirm Him to be the Lord of their lives, Jesus shows me and He shows you that our work is only beginning. Because after we reach them, then God calls me and you to disciple them. And that's where the fun really comes in. You know, a person's last words are usually a pretty good indicator of what's most important to their heart and what is foremost in their minds. For example, as Jesus was preparing to ascend into heaven, he declared to us his number one priority. His number one priority for you and I was to make disciples, to make followers, to make learners. And in Matthew 28, Jesus issued what is called the great commission to believers. The great charge to believers. And in it, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all the things that I have told you. Now when Jesus is talking about baptism there, of course he's talking about reaching those that don't know him. He's talking about conversion. But the teaching part that Jesus described there tells us what's necessary for us to raise up and disciple new believers. Now in 2 Timothy, we find another last word. 2 Timothy is actually the last words from the Apostle Paul. And if you want to go there in the Bibles in front of you, that's on page 1056 in 2 Timothy in chapter 2. But here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in Paul's last words, he describes to his young friend, Other issues that are paramount if we're going to make disciples like Jesus told us to. So on page 1056 in the Bibles in front of you, listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. But listen to me. He also wrote to us. Verse 1 of chapter 2, 2 Timothy. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things which you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Verse 6. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding. How many of you know that understanding is not just head knowledge, but it's doing what you've learned. Understanding in All things. Now, in that short little passage right there, the Apostle Paul has given his young friend Timothy some really awesome word pictures, right? Some word pictures that help you and I to visualize what someone making disciples looks like, right? And here's how he begins. Notice in verse 2, he describes trustworthy teachers. He says, "In the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these things to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Trustworthy teachers. How many teachers do we have in here right now? Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. One, two. Is that it? All right. Now I want every one of you to stand up. Come on. Work with me. Every one of you, stand up. Listen to your pastor. We are all teachers. We are all teachers. What is teaching? Teaching is imparting wisdom. And we are all called to impart the wisdom of God. Go ahead and have a seat. Now, you may not know this, but becoming an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ required that that person... Actually be an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why no one can be an apostle in these days. The apostles have all come. So often that we teach creation and we should. We teach about the fall of man and the countless stories of faith. We teach about the birth of Christ. We teach about the miracles that He did. We teach about Him dying on the cross. We teach about the beginning of the church, and we teach about the guidance that God provides for believers. But so many times in teaching, we neglect the resurrection. We reject. We 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 just don't. We overlook. I think. The resurrection. We don't focus on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see for a person to become a disciple. Not only must he first confess that Jesus is Lord. But he or she must also believe that God raised him from the dead. Then. They can be saved. So the resurrection is very important. And trustworthy teachers making disciples never neglect, first of all, never neglect the lordship of Jesus. But they never neglect the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And listen, I want to tell you this. Remember, you are an eyewitness. Not to the eye, not to the resurrection of Jesus, but you are an eyewitness to what Jesus has done in your life. And God has called you to tell others what God has done in your life. Be a trustworthy teacher making disciples. But he goes on to say in verse 3 that we also, that those making disciples also look like steadfast soldiers. Take a peek. Verse 3. You therefore must also endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life so that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. You see, Paul knew a lot about Roman soldiers. You may not know this, but he was actually chained to a Roman soldier for years. And so he often used the description of a Roman soldier when he was writing these letters, right? He tells us there in verse 3 that, first of all, we must endure hardship if we're going to make disciples. Now, you may not know this, but the United States Navy has a special ops entity called the Navy SEALs. How many of y'all heard of Navy SEALs? We lost a couple of these elite fighting forces just a couple of weeks ago. SEALs stands for Sea, Air, and Land Team. And these candidates, they go through basic training with all the other sailors, but they also go through what's called BUDS training. For 28 weeks, they go through basic underwater demolition and SEAL training. 28 weeks, 7 months of BUDS training. And then after these SEALs go through their BUDS training, they go through what's called SQT. SQT stands for SEAL qualification training. But before they can even go to SQT, they endure what's called Hell Week. Hell Week. That is where 250 SEAL candidates actually can ring themselves out on a brass bell as the as the candidate group shrinks from 250 to 25 candidates. The motto of Hell Week is no easy days. No easy days. Y'all, these are the elite. These are the elite fighting forces of the United States Navy. And my prayer for you and my prayer for myself is that we can endure the hardships that are necessary. That we might become the elite fighting forces for the the Lord Jesus Christ. Elite, enduring hardship. But Paul also says to Timothy, we must engage in spiritual warfare while we are making disciples. Can I tell you that our enemy is formidable? Listen to me. You can't beat him. Without the Spirit of God, you can't beat him. You can't win this war for disciples without the Spirit of God. And so, therefore, we must pray on the whole armor of God... Praying on the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, putting on our feet the shoes of the gospel, making sure that we're lifting up the shield of faith, forsaking all and trusting him. Putting on your helmet, the helmet of salvation, knowing what you're saved, knowing that you belong to him, and then taking up this word, the sword of the spirit, using the word of God in your warfare. Without spiritual warfare, you will be incapable Of winning this war. Let us pray on. God's armor found in Ephesians chapter 6. Let us pray it on. Every morning. So that we can be a steadfast soldier. For the Lord Jesus Christ. We got to reach the hungry. We got to win the lost. And then we have to disciple new believers. That's the call. But then Paul says. Be sure that you don't entangle yourselves. In the affairs of this world. Boy how easy is that to do. Entangling ourselves. Can I ask you a question? What is it costing you to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus? What is it costing you to be a Christian? Nothing. What is it costing you? Here's what Paul said. In Romans chapter 12, he said, I beseech you. I'm begging you. I'm begging you by the mercies of God that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What is it costing you, friend, to be a Christian? A gentleman named J.W. Jowett said that ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Did y'all hear that? Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Making disciples is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice, friend, and it means forsaking this world and all of its lures. It means becoming a living sacrifice that we're used by God. It means that we're not getting entangled with the affairs of this world. That's what Paul was trying to tell Timothy. But finally, he said, we must please him who enlisted us in order to make disciples. Why were you created? For the last few weeks, I've told you time and time again that we were created to glorify God. Glorify God. Here's what God said in Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone, say everyone. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created, listen, for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Can I tell you that you glorify God no greater Than when you are making a disciple. No greater than when you are making a disciple. It requires that we be a steadfast soldier. One that's willing to endure the hardships. Engage in the spiritual warfare. Refusing to get entangled in the affairs of this life. And pleasing him. The one who enlisted us. Y'all, for the church, for Bethel Baptist Church to be effective in this goal of making disciples, it's got to be made up not only of trustworthy teachers, but also steadfast soldiers. But he went on to say in verse 5, And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. That reminds me of what I might call an ardent athlete. Now the word ardent, all it means is enthusiastic. It means impassioned. It means excited. Now I've been accused of being excited every now and then. I want to be an excited, ardent athlete for the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's something that reminds me of how athletic servants should be. In the Southeastern Conference in football, the SEC has won 14 of the last 20 national championships in football. That's remarkable. And you got to ask, how in heaven's name did they do that? Well, if you ask the retired coach from Alabama, Nick Saban, what is required, he'd tell you this. Takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of practice. It takes teamwork. It takes discipline. It takes execution of the game plan. But most of all, it takes buying into the process. Buying into the process. Likewise, if we're going to make disciples, boy, it's going to take some hard work, y'all. It's going to cost. It's going to take hard work, it's going to take effort, and teamwork, and discipline, and practice, and execution. But listen, making disciples also requires that we buy into the process. Buy into what Jesus has commanded us to do. So can I ask you this question? What are you doing presently to make disciples? we identify this great commission to believers comes straight from the mouth of Jesus and that he is commanding me, he's commanding all of you to make disciples what are you doing presently to make disciples now before you go cutting yourself short you may be a parent a grandparent an aunt or an uncle that is raising up a child in the admonition of the Lord, can I tell you, that is making disciples. You may be one of the five ladies that are currently serving in a nursery rotation. Sowing little seeds of faith in the lives of toddlers. And how many of you know that toddlers listen better than adults? That's making disciples. You may be teaching or assisting. You may be in the rotation of children's church. Christians in Action on Wednesday. The Bethel Youth Group. uh, Perhaps some other uh, activity involving young people to help children, to help youth navigate the difficult circumstances of adolescence. Y'all, you never know what some of these young people go through. And that's making disciples. Then there are those who are in the seasoned saints ministry. Y'all like how I did that? Maybe an adult ministry. A couple's ministry. A women's ministry. A men's ministry. And that's important. But let me tell you something that's equally important. Because not only does the church need people who will take a leadership role in all those areas. The church also needs backups. Assistants. Helpers. In all those areas. And I got to tell you, that's all making disciples. Even the most ardent athlete. The most excited of us all. Needs teammates. Teammates who are enthusiastic. Teammates who are just as excited. To make disciples as he is. Ones that are willing to back them up. Every now and then. Again I ask you. What are you doing? To make disciples. To fulfill this incredible command. Of the Lord Jesus. The fourth word picture that we get from Paul, is that of a faithful farmer. Look there in verse 6. The hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. That means if you're growing, you better do what you're doing first before you go trying to get somebody else to do it, right? Now, by observation only, because I've never farmed, but I've watched it, I've seen it, and farmers have hard work. Farming requires great sacrifice. And Jesus said in John chapter 12 verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you. Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies. Are you hearing the sacrifice? Falls to the ground and dies. It remains alone. No more disciples there. But if it dies. It produces much grain. Friend in the human realm. That is. Is making disciples. Dying to self. Sacrificing our lives. So that we wouldn't remain alone. But so that we would produce. Much grain. Have you ever heard this before? The greatest use of your life. Is to invest it. In something that will outlast it. Y'all with me church? The greatest use of your life is to invest it in something that will outlast it. We can't harvest what's not been seeded. And seeding takes time. Growing takes time. And we must endure and labor to reach the nuns, to reach the never herds. Lord, what's he talking about now? Let me tell you. Back in 1950... 73 years ago, 2% of Americans reported none regarding religious affiliation. 2%. 60 years later in 2010, 16%, 46 million Americans reported none regarding religious affiliation. Last year, in 2023, over 25% reported none regarding religious affiliation. And with a U.S. population that's estimated at 334 million people, that means that 84 million American people classify themselves as none or never heard. They have no religious affiliation, and they ain't never heard of Jesus. 84 million in our nation alone. Boy, that brings to life what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9. You see, because Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, remember last week, he saw the multitudes, and he was moved with compassion for them. His heart broke for those lost people. Because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Simply said, Christians are to be like faithful farmers. We're to be moved with compassion like Jesus for the scattered sheep, friend, that recognize that they're lost. We must recognize that we are called to be seed planters. We are to recognize that we are to be seed cultivators. We are called to be weed pullers. And ultimately, one day, we'll be a harvest reaper. So as a disciple maker... Do you see yourself as a trustworthy teacher? Do you see yourself as a steadfast soldier? Do you see yourself, friend, as an ardent athlete? Do you see yourself as a hardworking farmer? Can I tell you that you could be all of those and even much, much more. But listen to me, y'all. If you are not a credible Christian, do you know how many disciples you'll make? If you're not living as a credible Christian, that's how many disciples you can expect to make. We must be credible. Paul said in verse 7, Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding. Not only the knowledge, but the ability to do what I tell you to do. Understanding in all things. See, if you're going to obey Jesus in this call to make disciples, you've got to be one yourself. Somebody say amen. If you are going to desire to make disciples, you've got to be one yourself. To make one, you've got to be one. Y'all hearing me? To make one, you got to be one. Say that with me. To make one, you got to be credible. You got to be a credible Christian. You got to be a good example in how you speak. A good example in how you behave. In the attitudes you carry. You got to be a good example. Because that takes a huge, huge impact on if and when. You're going to make a disciple. Our words. Our conduct. Our love. Our faith. Our purity. It all reveals. What the Lord wants for his. Disciples. So being a.